The universe is a pretty big place. Scientists say that the Milky Way galaxy, our little cosmic home, has more than 100 billion stars in it. And there are about 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. You'd think with a universe that vast, storytellers would have plenty of space. Apparently not. Marvel and Disney are all on the concept of the multiverse. We saw it in Loki. We saw it in Spider-Man No Way Home. And we especially see it in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, out in theaters this weekend. Hi, I'm Paul Acey, and I'm hosting this episode of The Plugged In Show in a universe near you. I'm joined by Bob Hoos and Kennedy Unthink, and we'll be helping you navigate this crazy, crazy multiverse and tell you about some of the more interesting wrinkles in it. First, though, we'll drill into some details about the new Doctor Strange movie itself. No, we won't be able to tell you whether the multiverse of madness is a great flick in every universe, but at least we'll have some thoughts on whether it's right for your family in this one. And if that's not enough, our fantastic producer, Ashley, will dive into the madness we call Pop Culture Connection. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's begin. And let's begin with a question. Sometimes these multiverse stories are pinned to the choices the characters make. It might hinge on whether someone eats, say, chocolate cake for breakfast. Their future lives in each universe depends on that piece of cake. Mm. So with that in mind, here's a two-part question for you. First, tell me about a small decision that changed your life. And then, tell me what your life would look like right now in a universe where you made a different decision. Mr. Hoos, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, I think, well, I think of two back-to-back small choices that I made that actually transformed my life. Mm. Um, so I'll give you two. So I get two for one here. <laughs> uh, the, first, the first one was uh, I was uh, a young man in my teens and playing with a group uh, band, small group. And the, one of the guys um, decided he wanted to go out to the uh, Christian Artist Seminar in Estes Park. Hmm. And it's a big, they had competition for music groups and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I decided, spur of the moment, okay, sure, I'll go too. And um, you guys don't need to be without me on this on this trip. <laughs> and so on the way out, the interesting thing about the trip for me was that on the way out, because this was a Christian musical camp, uh, we were talking about faith and about how that impacted us. And I don't think any of us were Christians in, in the group. Maybe one of the group of us were Christians. But we were talking about faith, and so we were sort of leaning in that direction. And and then the conference itself pushed us even further in that direction. And while we were at the conference, that's when I made the second small choice. Wow. Uh, One of the guys in my group wanted to audition for uh, another group that was holding auditions at the time. It was a music comedy theater troupe, and it was called Jeremiah People. And he said, I don't want to go by myself. Would you go with me? I said, yeah, because I really didn't have any interest in it. And I said, sure, fine. (laughs) So I went with him and then ended up auditioning and then ended up getting the role. (laughs) <laughs> and, and going out on tour with this other group, so and so it, and your that, friend didn't make it. I'm guessing. No, he didn't. <laughs> and that trans that transformed my life you in one way. But then when I went out to L.A. because it was based in L.A., I met up with the guy who was the director, and he talked to me about faith. And it was that night that I accepted Christ. Wow. So it it literally transformed my life from there on out because of two small decisions. Wow. Now I that's think amazing. I think you know in, in terms of 
what would have been different if I hadn't made those decisions, I think I still would have been led to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was that process was already happening. But in terms of all the theater and the music and stuff that I was involved in after that, probably not. That's fascinating. All right, Kennedy, you're up. Yeah. Uh, so the way I met my fiance was we were both hanging out after our church service and she had just so happened to try and talk to someone who was right next to me. Uh, but just at that moment, that person started talking to someone else. And so she, not wanting to look awkward, uh, <laughs> decided to start talking to me. So that's how we uh, first started talking to one another. And here's the, the small detail. I invited her to come with our friend group to IHOP after uh, church service had ended. And so from that point on, we started talking a lot more. Eventually, we started dating, and now we're engaged, and we're going to be married in a few weeks. Wow. Um, That's amazing. So you owe your relationship in some ways to IHOP and oh, a very awkward I love moment. IHOP, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Not sponsored, but I like IHOP <laughs> a lot. So for me, man, those stories are really good. It made me want to kind of switch tacks, but I'm going to go with my original. Um, when I went to college for the first time, I was originally going to be a writing major because mm. I liked writing. Uh, going to be an English writing major because I was going to write the great American novel that whole bit. And took a class because I just had a hole in my schedule. Took a class on Charles Dickens. Mm. Turned out I loved the professor. I loved Charles Dickens, as it turns out. And mm. after the first two classes, I changed my major from being an emphasis in writing to being a major in literature. I just mm. went straight literature. Um, and it turned out to be surprisingly very good for, you know, what I do now. Because I think before I would have... books? <laughs> well, <laughs> oddly enough, I think the literature piece of it, although it felt really silly and really selfish in a way, because what do you do with an English lit? degree, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But it gave me an appreciation for story in a way that I don't think writing actually would have, mm -hmm. ironically. I got yeah. a chance to really deal with some fantastic writers. And so that sort of changed my trajectory and landed me indirectly at Plugged In, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Great stories. Yeah. As we know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there are a lot of changes that take place within it, and it impacts characters quite a bit. Speaking of stories. Speaking of stories, yeah. yes. Uh, and when we look into the summer movie season, this is really sort of the beginning of the summer movie season. Traditionally, it begins at the very beginning of May. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness really launches this big season. This movie is really going to help Power, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like post-Endgame, right? This is sort of the unfolding chapter as they're trying to figure out where Marvel is going to go. So mm -hmm. we are introduced to a bunch of new characters, but we have at its center one of the most critical characters in the MCU. Um, it's a big deal, and plenty of kids and plenty of teens, maybe even some in your very own house, are going to and want to see too. this yes, movie. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Obviously, he uh, played Doctor Strange played a very pivotal role in Spider-Man No Way Home, but there's a lot of strange folds to this character. No pun intended. No pun intended. Kennedy, can you tell us a little bit about who Doctor Strange is? Yeah, so Doctor Strange originally, uh, he was a really skilled surgeon, uh, and he was quite egotistical in his working. 
uh, he built his entire personality around the fact that he was a really, really good surgeon. Uh, but one day he got in a horrific car crash, uh, which ended up making his hands pretty much, uh, he, he couldn't use them to uh, do surgery anymore. And because that was pretty much what his identity was based around, uh, he decides to spend a good chunk of his life looking for healing, uh, trying to get back to his old life. That leads him inevitably to a secret temple. <laughs> inevitably, <laughs> as, as one it does. usually does. Yes. Um, <laughs> a secret temple where they practice uh, the mystical arts. And the mystical arts is a fancy way of saying these are uh, sorcerers who use the multiverse to create magic out of thin air. Essentially, they take, as the Ancient One, uh, his teacher tells him, they take the source code of life and they manipulate it to their whim. Mm. And Doctor Strange, he finds out he's quite good at it. And through all of that time, he becomes a lot more humble and he realizes that, you know, he can either choose to heal his hands and go back to his old life or he can take up this new mantle of protecting the world from mystical and spiritual threats. Wow. And through that experience, as a good guy now, he decides that he's going to give up his old life, and you'll see him. He'll have those shaky hands. That's because he decided to never go back and heal his hands fully uh, because he's decided instead that he wants to protect the world. Yeah, yeah. Interesting character. And obviously, he's drenched in magic, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. if he's pulling... A... Yeah, he was talking about shaking hands, but he's always weaving so many spells with his hands that you can't tell they're shaking. He's just <laughs> doing circles and pentagrams and whatever else that comes along with the yeah. spellcasting. Yeah. Yeah, and when I think about the, the original Doctor Strange movie, I think that that was maybe the first real Marvel movie that gave some Christian parents pause yeah. because mm -hmm. of all the magic involved, right? So yeah. would you consider, Bob, from your perspective, that is Doctor Strange more problematic for families than some of the other characters? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, you know, it really comes down to where your family is. Mm -hmm. Um that because let's face it, that's what Doctor Strange does. Now I don't. I haven't seen the new movie. You're the one who uh, went to the screening, so yes. I, I haven't seen it yet. But I mean, what he does is cast a lot of spells, yeah. and casting spells is not necessarily very thought of as a very healthy thing to do in, in a Christian <laughs> household. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, I think there there would be a lot of people that would have a bit of hesitation. Yeah, yeah. I think when we talk about the new movie. You're talking about if the first movie would give parents maybe a little bit of pause, this one might be a little bit of a hard stop, honestly. Really? Yeah. It is really, really dark. Really dark. Uh, so not only do you have Doctor Strange in this movie, but you also have Wanda, you know, the Scarlet Witch. And both of them use a lot of magic. and Sorcerers, it, witches. It, that, that's exactly <laughs> oh right. And, yes. and the other thing is, it's, it's directed by Sam Raimi, who is probably most known, well, he's probably most known for the Spider-Man movies, but he, he got his, his start directing horror movies. And this feels often very much like a horror movie. Yeah. It's really a dark movie. And so well, you, well, okay, so you've mentioned that. What about positives? Are there positive things in this film? There are positives. You do have some strong messages about sacrifice. Obviously, you have the heroism at the center of it. You have, oddly enough, this strange, uh, off-kilter story about motherhood. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, if you're familiar with WandaVision, the, the Disney Plus show, you know mm-hmm. that, that Wanda had created this family. That family becomes a central part of this story. Mm. And Wanda is still, that's what she wants to be more than anything else is a mom. And so that comes in some pretty disturbing ways uh, again and again in the story. Um, it also talks, I think, a little bit, oddly enough, about gratitude. Dr. Strange is asked several times about whether he uh, is happy, and he has a hard time answering that. Hmm. But toward the end, he realizes that he's doing good, and someone talks about the idea of being grateful, the idea of being grateful for what you have. You may not be completely happy. This may not be the universe that you want, but you can be content with this place in it and be mm. grateful for the people in it as well. And I think that that's kind of a nice message yeah, it as is. well. I, which, you know, that's pretty common for a Marvel film, that they've got those kinds of elements in there. Do you think that that, in your opinion, mm. because we've got people listening saying, okay, well, but uh, good, bad, where's the balance point? If you decide to go, if you decide to go, there are some positives you can flesh out of it. But when you're talking about a family audience especially, I think that this movie just goes, really, this was a sort of a defining moment for me in a way where I Mm -hmm. thought maybe this just goes a little too far. It feels dark. It feels really scary, especially for younger viewers. And then, of course, you've got all the violence that you always have in Marvel movies with a lot of gore. There's a lot of really violent deaths here. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that. That trend anyway I'm sure you guys have as well in, mm. in Marvel movies is that I mean they started sort of upright and it was all about justice and about doing the right thing and about yeah. making solid positive choices and it feels like things have continued to get darker w- with the additional films yeah. that are layered onto this universe yeah I, I think it's definitely getting murkier and murkier as time goes on which sort of goes into what I really wanted to talk about today, which is the multiverse, which has has a way of being pretty murky itself. You're dealing with a very, very unusual storytelling device with this. Um, And it seemed like that Marvel is obviously all in on these multiverse stories, but we've seen a lot of others. And Kennedy, you mentioned it earlier, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, well, everything, everywhere, all at once, it is really interesting is it kind of takes that whole the whole multiverse fad and you know like a long time ago it was every movie's about zombies and now it's every movie's about the multiverse (laughs) and with that one it is very similar to as you've described uh the second doctor strange movie Mm. is that there's a woman who learns that uh she can jump from universe to universe uh in this version though uh she evelyn she gets Uh, abilities as she does so kind of like the matrix where it kind of gets uploaded into her brain because she's jumping to another universe where another version of her had learned how to do that Um, and she uses those abilities in order to fight a strange entity that is trying to find (laughs) her and kill her yeah yeah it's an r-rated movie obviously it's really interesting but it's it Definitely has some cautionary warnings, but but I wanted to mention it just because yeah. it illustrates that we're not talking about just Marvel movies. This is the everything everywhere all at once. That's a purely right. indie right. flick. Mm-hmm. 
why? It is, multiverse is sort of the flavor of the, yeah. of the year, yeah. so to speak. Why is that? I mean, why is it so popular now, do you well, think? Well, you, you wonder about it from a, uh, a creative perspective. Uh, you mentioned having this universe and can they create stories with all that space. But the fact is that I think uh, what it does from a, a story creator's perspective is it gives them different dimensions that they can work with. For example, in the comic book world, you know, you've got Marvel and DC did it too. Mm -hmm. And you can have these alternate versions of characters. And so even though there's like Superman, you've got Superman and, he, and he's very specific and he's got all these positive things about him. Well, what if there was an alternate universe where a Superman wasn't so good, where he maybe worked with the KGB and killed people <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it gives you a whole different story, a line of stories that you can insert. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think in a way it's a little bit of a cheat when yeah. you do that. In, I mean, oh, in yeah. my opinion, yeah. like, because there are some beloved characters that I've, I've known since I was a kid. And when you take them and then you alter them and you make them into an anti-hero rather than a hero, then it's sort of, it just makes things darker and it, and it, makes them less palatable sometimes mm. in my opinion no i i definitely agree i think you know there was once a time um y you could have a character die off screen and people would think they were dead but then it came <laughs> to a point where people were like well if we don't see the body they're not actually dead yeah, yeah. but now directors are saying well we have this multiverse so now we can even kill them on screen but it doesn't matter because we'll just go get another version since there's infinite universes we'll just go to another universe and get another gamora or we'll get another uh black widow or get another whatever character we need right uh or as i thought they were going to do when captain marvel came out i thought they were just going to start subbing everyone with kree because kree have the ability to shape shift into whoever <laughs> they want so it's just well they might be dead they might not yeah but that could have been a Cree. Who knows? You, you know, that's a really interesting point, Kennedy, because I think, oddly enough, what you say about it not mattering, I think that's really true. That was kind of my impression with the Multiverse of Madness, is that you have these huge stakes where you have all these universes being yeah. threatened. And yet, because you can do so many different things within those multiverses, it felt curiously what's low the stakes. Right. Yeah. yeah, what's the threat? Uh, you know, I think we also have to consider why is it that people like to watch these kinds of films? Uh, now, yes, they can be creative and interesting in certain perspectives, but but why would we as a viewing audience gravitate to a multiverse perspective? Yeah. And I think I think part of it is our own desire to sort of find some kind of way to change our life for the better. I think the the mindset behind the uh, the multiverse thing is, is that it gives us a better shot. You know, if we're in another dimension, the versions of us in another dimension, another yeah. universe might be having a great time. And wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And so I, I think that's in a way something that appeals to us. And uh, I, I'm not saying it's healthy. Right. Because in essence, it sort of stokes our fantasies rather than our reality. Yeah. And I think Marvel's been building to this for a while because mm -hmm. when you start out with movies that have lower stakes in general mm. uh, you know it's kind of weird to say this but you know the terrorist group getting a hold of the Iron Man suit is a very low stakes standard compared to what we see now right um, where every single movie is well the world's going to literally explode <laughs> or the universe yeah no. 
and or half of the universe is going to be snapped out of existence. And I think they've gotten themselves to a point of this power creep where now they're writing threats that are so big that one universe isn't enough to contain them anymore. Yeah. And so they have to expand further because now the threats are so big that they'll probably wipe out a few universes before you even solve them at this point. Yeah, it's true. And so, but we're also at a point where if you're stepping into this cycle of Marvel movies and you don't you really haven't been following it so far and you jump into Doctor Strange oh, it and you confusing. go what is going right. on? <laughs> right. I mean it can be really confusing and I think I think that's a problem. I think that's going to be a problem potentially for Marvel. Yeah. You know, can they hold an audience if everything they're doing is so convoluted that Boy, I've got to watch 15 films in, in order to understand. And yep. TV shows now, too. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Speaking of confusing, I wanted to switch tacks for a minute here because uh, when we're talking about the multiverse, there's an oddly theological wrinkle that we can bring to the party. I know of at least one Christian family that sort of checked out as soon as uh, Marvel started doing the multiverse mm -hmm. because uh, the multiverse is a real theory. A lot of physicists oh, yeah. and scientists, they, they say that that... that helps explain why our universe is so able to support life. Because when you look at the odds, when you look at the science behind it, it's wildly, wildly improbable that we would be here at yeah. all. And so... And there's even the aspect of of uh, quantum particle physics. Right. All these weird things that happen when you get down to those little tiny particles that are unexplainable and right. yet unless you come up with some idea like this. Right, exactly. So you have you have this, this thing where you can either explain it through a creator or you can say, well, if there's an infinite number of universes, surely some of them are going to buck the odds and support right. life. So it's a very secular theory, and that has some, some Christian families leery, I think, about it. Is that a concern here? Yeah, I think... Well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to answer this by referencing something that happened back in the first Doctor Strange, is that there's this moment when Doctor Strange first meets the Ancient One, and he just cannot believe that he could be healed through belief. And he says that all people are simply just meaningless specks in different universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Ancient One counters that by forcefully punching his soul out of his body. <laughs> um, uh, but she tells him, no, there's more to belief than you think. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. And really, I think that with this whole multiverse stuff, it kind of proves Doctor Strange right. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, if the multiverse exists, you really don't matter. The choices you make, like in the book of Ecclesiastes, I, I brought that up specifically for everything, everywhere, all at once was it says that everything is vanity. Nothing you do matters unless you are worshiping God. Because if God doesn't exist, then you live in an indifferent universe, you are a cosmic accident, and your life has no inherent value, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what the multiverse kind of teaches, right. is that you have no value. There may be another version of you out there who may like vanilla ice cream, you know, but... They also don't matter. Nothing matters. If you die, you die. Another version of you will go on. Who cares? And, you know, speaking of the faith aspect of things and the real world, because we've been talking sort of blending between cinema and real world, but the fact is that if you don't have something to 
anchor your life with, if you don't have something that you can really believe in, then you try and find other things that can fill that void. Right. And I think this multiverse thing could very well be that. I, I don't know if you guys have heard about the Mandela effect. Have mm -hmm. you heard about that? Mm -hmm. And it, for those who haven't, it's essentially people that are thinking that it's possible through some sort of small quantum fluctuation to slip through the cracks between universes and actually find yourself in another world. And I mean, people are actually believing this. I mean, t tens of thousands of mm -hmm. people believe this idea. And if you start believing these kinds of things and your life becomes driven by that kind of faith, then I think you're going to run into a lot of problems. So how is a parent to deal with this? What, how can a parent sort of help their kids and teens walk through some of these stories? Yeah, I think immediately, uh, obviously, you have to talk about the inherent value of humanity. It very specifically says in the Bible that all humans are valuable because they are made in the image of God. Uh, when you talk about human rights and when you talk about morality in general, these things can only matter if God exists. And so when you're walking through the implications of the multiverse, the natural assumption of the multiverse is that God doesn't exist and that you're all alone. And that because of that, you know, you have to think through the implications. I think it's really helpful to think through those implications and say, okay, well, if God doesn't exist, I don't matter. But I know for a fact that there are some things that are morally right and there are some things that are morally wrong regardless of what the rest of the world believes, regardless of what the rest of the world says, uh, slavery is always wrong, you know, mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. And if something is objectively wrong, then that has to mean that a God exists who has put a law above you that has said it is wrong, no matter what you say, no matter what multiverse you are a part of. Um, and so I think the immediate thing is to say, well, because morality exists, that means the multiverse can't. And for kids that are really focused on the science side of things, you, you brought that up that this is a very serious study, multiverses are. Uh, in science, there are Christian scientists who are studying this very subject. And so look to them. If you want to look to science, look to them and see what they have to say about the ideas behind the multiverse and how that plays into faith, just like Kennedy was just saying. Yeah. Well, this is a fascinating discussion. I, I think we could talk for hours and hours and hours <laughs> about it in this or any other universe. But if you want to learn more, just uh, we have some resources at PluggedIn.com. So feel free to check us out there. All right. Now it is time for personally one of my favorite segments uh, brought to us by our Duchess of the production booth, Ashley. Uh, she is going to lead us in a, an edition of Pop Culture Connection. Mm -hmm. Ask us questions. That's we right. have 30 seconds to answer that question with as many rationales as we can possibly come up with. Yes. So, without further ado, we shall begin. Sounds good. Kennedy, you're going to go first. Oh, joy. Lucky you. All right. We've got a whole big bunch of questions here. It's like since, since 40 you've been in there. Peeking in the box. <laughs> your trying question to get clues. is. Who do you think is the best actor of all time and why? Ooh. Oh, geez. Um, I'm a big fan, personally, of Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's not a popular choice. But I think that you have to, you have to consider it from both performance as well as personal life. Um, I like my actors to be as you know, morally consistent outside as they are inside their characters. 
so Chris Pratt, he's really good at being the funny character. He's really good at being the compelling character of Star-Lord. And he's a Christian. <laughs> well, there we go. Well, let's see. I got a four. I didn't do too well. Yeah, yeah that was pretty good, though. I think that's an easy mark to beat, Kennedy. Yeah. No well, offense. A four. Yeah, I, I got to give you the confidence boost. So. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right. Mr. Hoos. Yep. You will be next. And I will probably struggle for a four. <laughs> All you right. can do it. You can do it. Your question is, yeah. what type of music do you listen to and why? Huh. Well, probably light pop rock. Uh, the Beatles are one of my favorites. Love the Beatles. Love love their songs and their their uh, their harmonies. I love their lyrics. I I I like the sunny side up of of some of the older tunes. Uh, so, and that goes from Beatles even earlier on into some of the '60s tunes. I like the uh, I like the positive vibe. I like the the. Nice. There nice. you go. That was six points. Six. Wow. I'm going to struggle to overcome four, said Bob. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite Beatles album is the White Album. And that's not nearly as as upbeat as some of the other No, no. Actually, Ah. it's interesting because that is probably their most problematic in terms of from a plugged-in perspective. Well, yes. It has some darker songs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have a disturbing fondness for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the movie with the Bee Gees. Really? Yeah. I'd love it. Love it. It's a fun one. My my ranking of you, Ashley, has just gone down. Oh, sad. (laughs) You can start with negative one point, Paul. (laughs) Wow. Well, let's just see how we can rate you now, Paul. Oh. All right. She said that after. I know, I know. Your question is, would you choose American Idol or The Voice, and why? Oh, neither. I hate them both. (laughs) I'm not a big, you know, reality show competition guy, but I guess if I was going to choose it, I would go with The Voice, because I like sort of the mystery behind the, the show. I think that they have some really good singers. The personalities involved are entertaining. Um, it also just feels newer and fresher. I think that Simon Cowell on, uh, on American Idol was just a little bit too sour. So I do en- enjoy, if I was going to enjoy that, The Voice. Nice. Well, I counted five points on that one. So, Mr. Hoos, you are the winner. (laughs) Mr. Hoos. I guess we've got to have half the team gone in order for me to even get there (laughs) close and edge it out with a six. Hold on to that victory, Bob. That's right. I'll, I'll hold it tight. All right. Thanks for making the Plugged In Show part of your universe today. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we talked about. You and your family planning on seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? What do you think about all these multiverse stories? Do you feel like you need to help your kids understand it all? Uh, Or are your kids helping you? Let us know on Facebook or Instagram or ship us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Thanks so much for listening and for being a part of the Plugged In family. If you send a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family, we'll send you Jonathan McKee's excellent book, Parenting Generation Screen. And if you want to read or hear more about what we've talked about, check out the episode's show notes as well as check out our blog on PluggedIn.com. Again, really appreciate you being here today. Let's meet again in this universe soon, shall we? Well, we'll have plenty more to talk about on The Plugged In Show. 